Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hi, I'm Debbie. And I'm Allison. And we're... The Polter Gals. I'm Debbie. And I'm Allison. And we're the, the Poulter Gals. Welcome back to another episode of the Poulter Gals where we talk about haunted locations and haunted places. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the Velisca House Murder House. Um, so this, of course, is in Velisca, Iowa. Um, and this is actually the scene of a notorious axe murdering. Yeah. Um, not as famous as Lizzie Borden, of course, but... Um, murdering with an axe, we're definitely on it. Duh. Yeah, so Allison's going to start us out with the history, and then later we'll get back into the hauntings. Allison, will you start us off today? Mm, do I? Please. Do I want to? Mm, that'd be nice. Mm. I appreciate it. Oh, man. Dang, guess I you just, gotta. I just like leaving them in the dark, though. Oh, no, dang. <laughs> <laughs> but... I For guess, me? I guess I'll shed Be some pleased? light on okay. this situation. Oh, yay. Thank you. So the axe murders occurred in the evening of June 9th, 1912, and early morning of June 10th of 1912. Wow. 1912. I had a yawn. I'm sorry. Don't but yawn. In the town of Alaska, Iowa. The Moore family consisted, so it was the Moore family with two friends, two of the kids' mm-hmm. friends. The Moore family consisted of Josiah, Sarah, and their four kids. Mm-hmm. And affiliated family, the Moores were well-known and well-liked in the community. On June 9th, 1912, Mary Catherine Moore, one of the kids, invited... Ina May and Lena Stillingler to spend the night at the Moore residence. That evening, the visiting girls in the Moore family attended church where they participated in a children's day program, which Sarah had coordinated. After the program ended at 9.30, the Moores and the two girls walked to the Moores' house, arriving between 9.45 and 10. At 7 a.m. the next day, June 10th, Mary Peckham, the Moore's neighbor, Mm -hmm. became concerned after she noticed that the family had not come out to do their morning chores. Mm -hmm. Peckham knocked on the Moore's door, and when nobody answered, she tried to open the door and discovered it was locked. Peckham let the Moore's chickens out and called Ross Moore, Josiah's brother. Like Peckham, Moore received no response when he had knocked on the door and shouted, He then unlocked the front door with his copy of the key Mm -hmm. while Peckham stood on the porch. Ross went into the parlor and opened the guest bedroom door where he found the two girls' bodies on the bed. No. 
Moore had immediately told Peckham to call Henry Hank Horton, which was Valeska's primary peace officer, who had arrived shortly after. At the time, the six members of the Moore family and the two guests were found bludgeoned on? Bludgeoned? Bludgeoned, yeah. Bludgeoned upon? Yeah. Yes, that means like <laughs> smash. Head caved in. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah. Bludgeoned. <laughs> and the Moore residents. All eight victims, including the six children, had severed head wounds from an axe. Wow. The, mur- the murder weapon, an axe, which was believed to belong to Josiah, was found in the guest room where the Stillingler sisters were found. Doctors concluded that the murders had taken between had taken place between midnight and 5 a.m. Two spent cigarettes in the attic suggested that the killer and or killers (gasps) patiently waited in the attic until the Moore family and the Stillingler sisters were asleep. The killers began in the master bedroom with the parents while they were sleeping. Josiah received more blows from the axe than any other victim. His face had been cut to such an extent that his eyes were missing. No. The ceiling in his room had also had a gouge mark from when the murderer lifted the axe to murder him. Ugh. Yeah. That gives me the heebie-jeebies. And what's not on here, though, but I read. Oh, no. It's very dark and sinister. Mm-hmm. But it is said that one of the girls, so it said that, the five of the kids mm-hmm. were killed, Ugh. but one of them, one of the guests, yeah, one of the little girls attempted to get away. <gasps> but this is what's wrong with today's society and with a lot of people. Oh, no, what it said that one of the killers was possibly like she was found with her nightgown pulled up to her right Ugh. waist. No. Yeah. Ugh. So I'll let I'll I'll let that just sit, sit right there. I'll just stop it right that there. Hurts but yeah, so much. But she was found with a defensive wound. Ugh. And so that's what led that everybody else was killed without in their sleep except for her. Oh my God! Because she tried to escape. That's mm-hmm. so sad. So just because she tried to escape. Well. Yeah. Dang, that's so sad. It's horrible. This is such a terrible crime. Oh yeah, it gets a. Uh, it, it's it's pretty dark. Great, but uh, a lengthy investigation yielded several su- suspects, one of whom was tried twice. 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 Dang. One was ended up in a hung jury, their first mm-hmm. trial, and the second ended in acquittal. What? And to this day, the crime is unsolved. Oh my god, that's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. <sighs> it's uh it's interesting. Yeah. Cuz it's like six kids murdered. Murdered. Yeah. Like yikes. That's so hard. Like any of these episodes we talk about like sometimes some of them are harder than other ones. Like if you're like, yeah, it was just a mental asylum that was like 
full of people that had mental health problems and they all die like that that's still traumatic and terrible but then when we talk about literal like child murderers yeah and it's like dude this family was literally like just living their day to day yeah they were just going they just didn't do their chores you know they were just like oh i'm gotta get up and go mow the front yard i don't think they mowed the front yard back then but still still. it's an they were a relatively normal family Mm -hmm. a well-liked family at Mm -hmm. that but for them just to go out and then all of a sudden get killed Mm mm-hmm Dang. Well, yeah. Well, that's all for the history of the murder. Yeah. Um, I guess let's just take a moment for a commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsors. Spooky. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's sad. Yeah. Okay. Um, this episode is brought to you by don'tmurderyourchildren.com. But also, let us have free rights for our bodies so we can make sure our kids are protected if we do want to let them live and survive in this world. But this is what's wrong with the world. Children keep getting murdered. Well, okay. That's sad. Sorry, that's sad. Okay. It's time for the hauntings. Yay! <laughs> And now, a word from our sponsors. Spooky. <laughs> All right, and we're back. Um, so we just heard about the tragic, tragic, tragic death of this entire family. Um, so this house, of course, has um, changed hands a few times over the past 100 years, and there have been plenty of reported ghost encounters that keep accumulating. Um, so there's things like disembodied giggles and screams. Giggles, I'm fine with. Disembodied giggles, I'm like, haha, that's fine. Disembodied screams? Yeah. Um, some unexplained movements, a very strange fog moving from room to room um, when a train passes through town um, and then when the train passes through at the time of the murders and then there's also been a strange some strange behavior from visitors that indicate the possibility of possessions yikes that's right we're talking the capital p here on the polter gals possessions yikes um anytime possessions are happening in a home that's terrifying um, but yeah, and that's just some of the activities that are, um, that indicate a paranormal presence. Um, so while what happened here, so while what happened here happened back in 1912, um, it makes it a terrifying place to go to on its own ghosts or no ghosts. It definitely continues to earn the title as one of America's most haunted houses. Um, so a couple, Darwin and Martha Lynn, actually bought the three-bedroom farmhouse at 508 East 2nd Street, um, back in 1994, and they actually planned on turning it into a historical museum, which is pretty cool. Um, they wanted it to be almost like a dollhouse, like, like simple layout, like they really wanted it to be like a historical museum. Um, and then they... It has some uh, ubiquitous look of countless other cozy farmhouses across the country. The Lynns wanted to revive the home and bring it back to its former glory. Um, obviously something that was halted back in 1912 due to a 
certain murder. Um, but, you know, they saw past that. They were like, let's make this a cute little home. Um, and they wanted it to function as actually an interactive time capsule and as a glimpse into what domestic life was like for the average Midwestern family in the early 20th century. Um, however, the walls had more to say, though, and the lens were ready to listen. Um, listen to the ghosts. Um, so, of course, as for Martha herself, she doesn't like to talk about her own ghost sightings in the house, um, as to not color the experience of guests. Um, she did, however, share this comment, um, and she said, I feel like there's something here, dot, dot, dot. If indeed there are spirits, you have to realize that six of them are children. I don't know if the murderer still exists here, but there have been a few things that I found that aren't exactly calming. But I don't like to dwell on it. For anyone who isn't feeling quite as bold, there are now tickets available for tours as well. Uh, there's also been a lot of different sightings, a lot of reports, of course, this place has been visited. Um, and so one person actually wrote on their official website that they have received EVPs from the house, um, both live and residual. So, you know, we always talk about residual energy, but they said they've actually got live EVPs as well. So that means that the spirit is like actively responding to you. Um, so this person said they also called out the names of the Moore children and Lena and Inna Stillinger, who were all victims of that fateful night. Um, they asked them to then turn a flashlight on and off. And guess what? They did. So they were calling the kids names and not saying, you turn on the light. And they did. You turn on the light. And they did. Um, so these impressive paranormal incidents occurred in the blue room. Um, and this is actually where, again, Lena and Ina were murdered. Um, and then also, again, in the upstairs bedroom where the other four more children were murdered. Um, they've also said that they felt cold spots in the house that they can't explain. Um, and then based off these paranormal experiences and EVPs, um, along with this person's own gut feeling, um, they say that they believe the spirits of all eight victims are still dwelling within the house um, and many people ask why they're still there but some people just think it's because of the trauma that they faced and again that residual energy versus those live spirits still being trapped in that house um, is absolutely terrifying yikes nope so yeah um and then in Oh, another article, um, they say that the Axe Murder House now serves as, of course, a paranormal hotel um, where groups of six or fewer can pay about 200, oh, sorry, not 200, $428 a night to book an overnight in the house. Allison, are you ready to go? Yikes. No? Yes? Maybe. So, um... Accommodations are actually spare. In fact, it's recommended that guests actually pack their own sleeping bags. <laughs> Not that you'll be getting much sleep anyway. Nice. Um, but uh, she, Martha, actually said that um, she actually just hands the guests the key to the house when they arrive and then just leaves them alone for the night. She's like, good luck. Fit for yourself. Uh, thanks, Martha. We appreciate it. Um and it's the actual key, like the real key to the house. It's not even a spare. They just hand you the key to the house and say, go in. Good luck. Um, and of course, you're probably not going to be alone because if it is in fact haunted, then guess what? You'll be sleeping with 
six other people that are in the house. Yikes. Um, <laughs> no thanks. No thanks. Um, and of course, there are other things that have been happening. Um, disembodied footsteps, things moving, voices, apparitions, shadows, and overall, bad vibes. Bad vibes. Bad vibes. Yikes. Um, so listen to those. Yeah. This place has literally been on every ghost hunting show, as I probably as I said, it's been everything from ghost adventures to scariest places on earth. Um, and all of pretty much every essential spooky podcast. So yeah, we're a spooky podcast, so we yeah. had to talk about it too because we, to we wanna be we wanna run with the big kids, we wanna be cool. Um but I'm yeah. I'm a big kid now. Yay! Do, 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 do. Um, but yeah, so pretty much every spooky podcast has talked about it, um, including Glore and My Favorite Murder. Um, and yeah, so that's pretty crazy. Um, daytime tours are held um, Tuesdays through Sundays between 1 p.m. and 3.30 p.m. There are no pre-bookings required, and tours are only $10 for adults and $5 for children and seniors. I would not recommend bringing children in here because um, children were murdered. Apparently, they just don't have a good... Yeah. That's fine. You can just bring your kids. Just bring your kids and your old ladies. It's only $5. They get a discount. No. No. Oh, okay. The chillins at home. Keep your kids at home. Uh, I mean, I guess these kids were kept at home. Well, you know, they say kids are more sensitive to ghost sightings. So maybe the kids just need someone to play with. So in other words, you throw your kid, all the kids in the house, you lock the door. No. And you just have webcams. No. That's Mm-mm. what happens. No, then. Allison. This is not like some sort of Hunger Games throw children in a haunted house and see what happens type of situation. <laughs> Why not? No, we're not doing that. But that would make a great TV show. <laughs> I mean, come on now. That's called Traumatized for Life. Is that the title of the show? Traumatized for Life? I mean, that's why we have mental asylums. No, Allison. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, wait. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> oh, man. No. Because um, they don't want to end up on this podcast in the future. Yes, exactly. Anyway, don't bring your, You can bring your kids here. It's $5. Oh, but don't man. bring your kids here. Uh, and then if you want to book an overnight <laughs> stay, please call 712 621 But yeah, I think that's everything oh, for um, the Vasica House Murder. House of Murder. Murder House. House of Axe Murders. I'm so sad. Murder now. Axe House. Well, that's all. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Poltergals. I guess you can tune in on us wherever you get it. Your podcast, your mm-hmm. Patreon. Mm-hmm. Find us on our but, social medias yeah. at the underscore Poltergals. Find us on Facebook. Make sure you bring your kids. Make sure you bring your kids. Let your kids listen to this podcast. Lock them in a room with ghosts. It's yeah. fine. All right. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Debbie. And I'm Allison. And we're the Polter Gals. Spooky. <laughs> I'm Allison. And I'm Debbie. And we're the, the Polter Gals. So this next one is going to be Whaley House. Ooh. This is located in San Diego, California. California, eh? Yes. So this is another, like, murder location with hauntings. No, murder locations. So. I know. We got to talk about it because it's uh, probably haunted. Shout out to uh, future 
episodes. Bloody happy hour. Yeah, Shout out. Team up with bloody happy hour. And we'll kind of rediscuss some of these with them because, well, duh. Well, because, yeah, duh, because they're awesome. Yeah. And cool. Shout out them guys. <laughs> so, the Whaley House is in, was an 1857 Greek Revival-style residence. Wow. And is a California historical landmark and museum located in Old Town, San Diego, California. Interesting. It is currently maintained by the Historic Tours of America, or HTA. Whaley took over his father's successful business relations, then left New York on January 1st, 1849. He then traveled to San Francisco during the California Gold Rush, where he engaged in business. Engaged in business. You know me. I engage in business. Do we? What does that even mean? I don't know. He engaged in business. He did business stuff. He do good business. He do good, yeah. He do good business. business. Yeah, duh. He then went to San Diego in September of 1851. Two years later, Whaley went back to New York and married Anne. Anna. Yeah, I'm just going to say Anna. All right, that's fine. <laughs> uh, on August 14th of 1853. Together, they then moved back to California, arriving to San Diego on December 7th of 1853. And on August 22nd, 1857, the Whaley's moved into their new home, uh, now, Which is now known as the Whaley House. Wow. Who knew? The Whaley's moved into a house, and then it became the Whaley House. What? That's so smart. That's crazy. Is that how they name things? Good job. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thunk? So, the Whaley House was a central pillar of the 19th century Old Town community. Interesting. Besides being the Whaley family home, it was also San Diego's first commercial theater. What? Yeah. The county courthouse and a general store. So, a multi-hat. Yeah. It's so, a this multi-hat. is a, a multi-hat facility. Yeah. Wow. Who it's a facility that wears many hats. Hey, man. <laughs> Multi-hats? A multi-hats. Multi-hats. A place of many hats. It's a multi-hat. For any of those who did not... What episode is that from? I don't even remember. It was from the brewery. It was the one where it's like the brewery oh, and the post office yeah. and the general store. Yeah. Yeah. Much like this place. It's a multi-hat. It's a multi-hat house. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, the legendary Whaley House is widely regarded as one of the most iconic landmarks in san diego wow thomas and anna had six kids one of them unfortunately passed of yellow fever man you know what we always say oh i'm gonna read the note i just noticed the note it says in parentheses these dang pandemics killing people causing hauntings <laughs> wow it's almost like we lived through one of those wow. recently living through a pandemic is hard i'm sorry your baby died of yellow fever i'm sorry so after the death of baby Thomas. And then there's another note. She put, poor baby. Why are the babies and kids? It's so sad. That's so sad. So after the baby, they, and the loss by fire. They lost their store by fire. Oh. Yeah. So their baby died and then their store burned down. So sad. Uh, they moved to San Francisco. Mm. In January of 1859. 
Whaley turned his affairs in Old Town over to Frank, a Wells Fargo agent. Wow. Wow. In the summer of 1868, Thomas invested some of his new capital of stock and merchandise and headed back to San Diego. Thomas then fixed the old Whaley house, and Anna and the rest of the family arrived back home in San Diego in 1868. Wow. On January 5th, 1882, Violet, Violet Whaley and Anna Whaley both got married in old San Diego. Violet married George, and Anna wed her first cousin. Gross. Gross, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. But I was normal back then, so it's fine. Gross. Listen. Well, strong bloodlines. Listen. No mud bloods in this household. Gross. John Whaley, son of Henry uh, Whaley inside the family home. Unfortunately for Violet, just shortly after the nuptials. Nuptials. Nuptials, yeah. That means to get married. Nuptials. Sure. Her new husband revealed to her and a letter his sordid past. Mm-hmm. So For, he was he had a he was a he was a vagrant. Yikes. So Bertica vowed to prove his worthiness, but Mr. and Mrs. Whaley would try to sever all contact. Oh no. Suffering from Melancholy. Melancholy. Violet committed suicide oh, by God. shooting herself in the chest. With Thomas's thirty-two caliber on August nineteenth, eighteen eighty-five, she was only twenty-two. Oh my gosh, that's some Romeo and Juliet stuff right there. Yeah, but yeah, he was like, he's like, yo, I got an unsavory past, and it's pretty bad. I'm sorry, I did some bad things, but I love you. And then her parents were like, mm, no, bye, bye. get away from our daughter. And then the daughter was like, but daddy, I love him. And then she killed herself. That's so sad. That's. She's only 22. She's only 22. This gives me like, um, you know what it's like in The Little Mermaid where it's like, Daddy, I can make decisions for myself. And it's like, Ariel, you're literally 16. Like, no. But I mean, hey, but I guess is, it's fine. This is what, 1885? Man, she could have just gone to Tala. No. She could have just gone to Tala. Come on, no. man. <laughs> it was nice Also, crazy. they're in California. That was in like Iowa. It's it's okay. It was nice and breezy. Bright it sunshine. was nice and breezy until <laughs> hundreds of people were in there. Um, but anyway. So, Thomas Whaley built a single-story frame home for his family at 933 State Street in downtown San Diego. And the family moved into the new residence, leaving the Whaley house vacant for over two decades. Yes, I would too. I'd be like, mm, I may not go back to that house after what happened there. Yeah. Thomas died due to ill health at the State Street address. Meanwhile, the old Whaley house remained vacant and fell into disrepair. Oh, dang. In late 1909, Francis Whaley undertook the restoration of the building and turned the home into a tourist attraction where he posted signs promoting its historic his, yeah. Or historicity. Historicity. Yeah. Sure. And entertained visitors with his guitar. I think it's historicity. I think it's like how historic it was, showing it off. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. 
And then he would play his guitar. Yeah, duh. Yeah, that's what you do, right? Yeah. Uh, Anna Whaley, Thomas's widow. Corinne. Corinne, yeah. Francis and George all lived at the old Whaley house in 1912. On February 24th of 1913, Anna died at 80 years of age. Wow. A year later, Francis died on November 19th in 1914. Dang. George Whaley then died in 1928 in San Diego. And Corrine Whaley continued residency of the house until her death in 1953. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. So they all just died slowly. Slowly but surely. But slowly but surely, they all died. Well, 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 well now we know about the history of the Wade House. I think it's time for a commercial, commercial break. Okay, and we're back. Now that we know about the history, um, it's time to talk about the hauntings. So, after this history of success and deaths, the Whaley House remains well known as a haunted house. Um, it's said that guests and the staff from time to time will catch a glimpse of the Whaley family member, um, one of them who has died, inside the house. Um, rather it be baby Thomas Jr., Violet, who killed herself, Anna, who died of 80, Francis, George, or Corinne Lillian. Um, but yeah, so the staff and people still say they're just chilling in their house, you know, as people do, they just want to vibe. Um, and they're like, get out of my house. This is my house. Like why do people keep coming to my house after it was already my house? Whatever. Right. You just late. Yep. So, um, there were some really sad things that happened in this house, of course. So back in, um, 1852, James, who was also known as Yankee Jam Robinson, um, was actually hung by his neck for the crime of grand larceny. Um, so a few years later, Thomas and Anna Whaley built a house on the spot exactly where this guy, Yankee Jim, was hung. They were like, let's just build a house here. This looks great. Um, So one of the ghosts that is said to still haunt the house is, in fact, Yankee Jim's ghost um, haunted the site. Um, And it's said that people can actually um, hear his footsteps clomping around the house. He's just like, I died here. Like, you just built your house here? Like, I I died here first. Like, can you not? Come on, man. Um, But yeah, anyway, so that's one of the hauntings that they say is um, relatively one of the most familiar, so James, Yankee Jim Robinson. Um, and although the Whaley family, unfortunately, passed, um, plays a key role in the home's chilling history, many believe it is actually um, destined to be haunted even before the construction even began. The eerie legacy of the Whaley house continues to grow as the family was struck with tragic deaths as well as paranormal and spiritual encounters that many still discover today. So, of course, one of the first deaths was baby Thomas, who had been the first in the family to pass away. Um, He had always stayed close by. So many reports say that even when visiting the home, they would hear tiny footsteps or even the sound of babies crying. Um, And some people even heard giggling when no one was in sight. So um, even when their little boy passed away, it said that he first stayed in the house. Um, as well as Thomas and Anna felt that there were several other spirits that have been felt within the home, um, especially on the stairwells that are on the property. So they got some haunted stairs, maybe some disembodied footsteps, um, a little spooky, spooky. 
Um, and then there's also been mists, lights turning on and off by themselves, um, and crystals actually in the parlor room's lamps um, began swinging without anyone else there. And there are no other signs um, that what it could have been. So the Whaley house uh, still belongs to the many who have called it years, called it home after all these years. Mm. They're still just living it. They're still just vibing in their house. Um, but yeah. And then, of course, this is one of the most haunted locations. So a lot of people have been here. So according to the Travel Channel's Amer- Travel Channel America's Most Haunted, the Whaley House is one of the most haunted houses in the United States. Um, although they can't state positively that the house is really haunted, the voluminous documentation of paranormal occurrences at the site makes this a very compelling case. But if there are no ghosts at the Whaley House, who are they? And why are they there? So, hmm. Hmm. Uh, they do now, of course, offer ghost tours. Uh, and they have an official website. Um, and they even have a be warned. And the, like, I'll put a little note. It says, it says be warned in bold. And then it says, oh, no. Allison, do your oh, no. That you're most famous for. Oh, no. <laughs> That's Allison's no, no. But yeah, so oh, the website no. has a be warm section um, for guests under 13. They're not supposed to click on it. Yikes. <laughs> Which I think is funny. I love that they have an age limit. I know. They're like, are you at least over 13? Okay, you can be spooked. This was like me so, saying, don't take your kids to haunted places. So they. You gotta be 13 lot, and up. You, so you can't throw kids in there. <laughs> No, you can't put kids in a house and lock them in overnight and see what happens. So in this case, you can throw 13-year-olds. Thir- as long as they're above the age of 13, yes. Hey, yo, I think we got a concept. <laughs> I think we got a concept. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah. And then they're open daily, 10.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. 4 p.m. And they offer self-tours, allowing you to take tours at your own pace. So you can just go in and wander around. So perfect. So perfect. It's a bunch of 13-year-olds in there and and see what happens. They can take their own time. Yeah. But anyway, so that's all the hauntings that I have. And of course, there's more. You can find it on the internet. You can find it around town. Um, And yeah, that's everything for this episode. Oh, yeah. Be sure to check us out on Patreon, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. All the places. All the places. And And whatever you do, don't lock yourself in a house with a bunch of kids. If you do, be sure to hit us up. Because and film it so we yes. can have documentation of it. Please. And, well, I guess that's it. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Poltergals, a Rogue Media Network podcast. This has been a Rogue Media podcast.